0: If you were to start a new business, something that has nothing to do with what you're doing now, what would it be? Maybe you daydream about starting a copywriting business specializing in beekeepers, or you fantasize about becoming a tarot reader for financial professionals. Maybe you've thought about how you would do web design differently or create a curated subscription box in a whole new way. I'm convinced that we all have a business or several that we daydream about. And I believe there's a lot we could learn from these fantasy businesses. I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that explores how small business owners are building stronger businesses. And this month, we've been talking about simplifying. Now, I don't think any of us dreams up overly complicated businesses. These businesses strike an elegant balance between your needs and wants as a founder and the needs and wants of the market. None of my fantasy business ideas are complicated. A few years ago, I wanted to launch a brand of bralettes for bigger busts, just one or two styles sized appropriately for people with a D cup or larger. And mind you, this was before everyone started selling bralettes for bigger busts. I've dreamed up a personal training business for high-performing women, part coaching, part fitness, all monthly retainer. I've talked about how I'd love to open a simple high-quality coffee shop in my town, and I've dreamed of opening a yoga studio on Main Street too. And while coffee shops and yoga studios might not be high-margin businesses, they're certainly simple models. I've also joked that one of these days, I'm just going to quit everything and set myself up as a professional Canva designer. I also imagine this business to be pretty simple. Our fantasy businesses can teach us what we'd do differently if we were starting from scratch. They don't have all of the baggage that we carry with us when we strategize or craft a vision for the future of our current businesses. When we think about the customers we'd serve, or the prices we'd charge, or the messages we'd craft, or even the systems we'd build, we're not constrained by our existing customer relationships, prices, messages, or systems. And because of that, all the daydreaming we do about our fantasy businesses is probably some of the best strategic work that we do. I've often described how making changes in a business evolves as a business grows, Early on, you're navigating the water in a lightweight, maneuverable kayak, and as the business grows, making changes can feel more like trying to steer the Titanic. But today, I actually think that metaphor might be a bit off. It's not so much the growth of the ship that makes it harder to steer, it's that it's dragging its anchor and a pile of debris behind it. All of the old choices, investments, relationships, they're slowing down the ship, making it harder to cruise. It's not that these things are bad, they're neutral, but that anchor just seems to get heavier and heavier. When we dream up a fantasy business, there is no anchor. There is no debris. You can imagine a stately ocean liner moving through the water unencumbered by past decisions. That business that you imagine cruising along without friction and calm seas, that's where you put everything you've learned about how to build a strong business. That business is also where you get to freely exercise your personal boundaries, set your ideal schedule, build satisfying relationships, and create the work that really lights you up. Okay, I am not saying that you should quit everything and start your fantasy business, Real life fantasy businesses have growing pains, stress, and client emergencies too. But what if you did? Just about two years ago now, I started to build a business that I'd been fantasizing about for a while. I'd seen friends and clients build wildly successful productized service businesses, and I'd been daydreaming about what I would do if I were to start building a productized service business too. I imagined the internal systems I'd build, the client onboarding I'd create, and the revenue model I'd use. Now, you may or may not nerd out this hard on your fantasy business. In the midst of this, I thought, if only. And then the opportunity to build a podcast production agency presented itself. With Sean's help, I could make this fantasy a reality. I'll spare you some of the details I've already shared on the podcast about how and why this business, Yellow House Media, came into existence. If you're curious, check out episodes 329, 232, and the bonus episode from August 13th, 2020. Today, I'd like to focus on what I decided to do differently, unencumbered by all of the past decisions I've made and baggage I carry with me at What Works. Now this is not to say that what works is an overly complicated business. Today, it's incredibly simple, but I'm acutely aware that my vision and decision-making is often constrained by 12 years of previous visions and decision-making. And that's something that I just don't deal with when I'm planning for Yellow House. I'm gonna share a few of the specific systems and choices we've made to maintain simplicity while producing highly individualized outcomes. Basically, I want to invite you into my fantasy business and hope you see how you could make your fantasy a reality too. The first fantasy I wanted to make reality had to do with process. And I'd venture to guess that process doesn't factor high on your list of fantasies. Or maybe it does, in which case, welcome, my friend. Now, anyhow, I dreamed of being able to create a process that would allow anyone to step into the company with a little training and act as an adept content strategist for podcasters. We are not starting easy here, people. My real fantasy, if I'm being honest, was that I could build a business that did not require me to do, well, much of anything. It's not that I didn't want to work. It's that I didn't want to be required for the business to function. Not like in a building online courses, passive income kind of way, but being truly expendable. So I started building the content strategy process and tested my hypothesis by training Sean. Sean had been helping me produce What Works for over a year, and he knew the ins and outs of how the show happened and what I thought about when planning content. But he hadn't ever really needed to think about someone else's content before. We worked up the outline of the content planning process together, and then I wrote a script and a set of instructions. It was essentially a guide to running a content strategy session with the goal of producing a six-month content calendar. We talked through it, and he practiced with some test clients, and then we started offering it as an introductory offer at a super low price. And sure enough, the process worked. Our clients loved the work that they did with Sean. And in no time, Sean was taking the lead as the go-to content strategist and planner for our production clients. This process led to other processes, including an epic roadmap for how to launch a podcast and the onboarding materials that would eventually pave the way for the Standout Podcast Club. One of the things I love about this aspect of my fantasy business is that internal process can become external training and external training can become internal training. The content strategy process I use to train Sean is essentially a course and a template. We guide our production clients through that course and use that template with them to build out their own content strategy. And then that course and template later became the backbone of the Standout Podcast Club, which we offer to podcasters for a monthly subscription. So podcasters can work the process on their own. And last week, I onboarded a new production assistant, invited her to the Standout Podcast Club, and had her start digging into the training there while she was waiting for her first day of live training with Sean and Lou. When I sent off the email with all of her instructions, I felt an immense sense of pride. This key part of my dream had come true. (music) Another aspect of my fantasy was selling an offer that was obviously perfect for the right people and obviously not right for the wrong people. And to be clear, when I say right and wrong people here, that's not a judgment. Our service makes sense as an investment for some podcasters and aspiring podcasters, and it absolutely doesn't make sense for others. I didn't want to have to convince anyone that our service was worth their money or that podcasting really was the best thing they could be doing for their businesses. And I really, really didn't want to alter our process and package to meet the needs of podcasters who weren't a perfect fit for what we were offering. Sean and I put together a single package with the only option being whether a podcaster was releasing every week or every other week. I wrote up our proposal template and priced it out. After just a couple of prospect calls, I was able to make a few adjustments to make things clearer, and then I was able to just start changing details like the podcaster's goals and timeline when I sent out a proposal. If we talked to someone who was really just looking for editing and help with show notes, we explained that we weren't their agency. If we talked to someone who wanted additional support, maybe interview research or social media posting, we explained that we weren't their agency. The vast majority of podcasters we talked to were absolutely thrilled with our package. They just needed to weigh whether it made business sense for them. Again, dream come true. It wasn't long, in fact, until we started getting on prospect calls with people who didn't want to know more about us or our process, but instead wanted to prove themselves to us. And that was perhaps even better than I had originally dreamed up. Once we booked out most of this year, I decided to take things a step further. Since I wasn't really altering the proposals beyond some details, I decided to turn our proposal template into a nicely designed services guide. Today, when you go to our services page, you can click a button that essentially has our quote unquote proposal ready for you to view. It explains our service and our pricing, but it does even more than that too. I added two components that I am really proud of. First, I added an assessment of whether a podcast is the right fit for a prospect's business goals. It's super simple, but it visually lays out four of the needs that make podcasting a good fit in a marketing strategy. Next, I added a checklist that I had originally developed as an opt-in incentive and demonstrates the different components of a podcast launch. It's a it's a long checklist. And in the services guide, though, I checked off all of the boxes that show what we take off a podcaster's plate as they're launching. It's a visual way of demonstrating just how much we do and how valuable our service is. Okay, I actually added one more component to this guide. I realized that lots of people might look at this guide who really have no intention of hiring us, but they're looking for more information. Maybe they're curious about podcasting and what it entails because they're thinking about launching a show. So I wanted to approach the services guide as marketing as well. So the last page of the services guide is an ad for our training hub, the Standout Podcast Club. It explicitly states, if full service production isn't a fit for you right now, we'd love to support you inside the Standout Podcast Club. For me, the services guide represents the culmination of the work we've done to this point, creating a simple offer that's perfect for the perfect people. Could we do even more in this regard? Sure, probably. I've got some ideas. But to be able to clearly and confidently state what we're offering, who it's for, and what it costs publicly, no email address, sales call, or application necessary, well, it feels like a dream come true. I've always been a pretty transparent salesperson. I like having prices on my site. I know how to talk to the right customers, and I know what my offers are about. But none have ever been this clear and simple. There's always been gray area. And our production package, well, it has no gray area. There's one more simple component of this fantasy business that I want to share, and that's our marketing strategy. At What Works, our marketing strategy is based on regularly reaching new folks with compelling content. That happens via advertising, social media, and through articles I write. It happens to a lesser degree with this podcast, where I'm mostly speaking to those of you who are already aware of what we share. It's a lot of work, and I really, really love that work. I spend 20 hours a week or more creating or repurposing content. However, I didn't have another 20 hours a week to spend on content for Yellow House Media. I didn't even have another five. There was no way I was going to be able to build up a separate social media account or create a second podcast or even write a regular newsletter. Although I do still hold out some hope on eventually being able to get to that And goodness knows that Sean didn't have any interest in executing a marketing plan. So basically, if Sean and I were going to get this fantasy business off the ground, we had to do it with next to no marketing. Now, I know the last decade plus I've spent building my own reputation and audience in the small business space is a solid foundation to build a no marketing business on. And many of the podcasters we work with today had either been following my work or were familiar with me in one way or another. But increasingly, we're talking to people who don't know me. They don't know I have a podcast that's been downloaded millions of times. They don't know I've taught tens of thousands of entrepreneurs on Creative Live. They don't know I've been creating content about small business for the last 12 years. They just know that a friend recommended us, or a Google search brought them to our website, or they got forwarded one of our articles. Okay, so I do have time to create some free content. And when they see what we offer, they know that we've got exactly what they need. Now, I know that many of you listening dream of being able to give up social media or spend quality time writing just one good article per month or focus on coffee chats or old-fashioned networking. But you've also been introduced to this competing dream The dream of building a following, effortlessly attracting clients through pretty pictures or webinar funnels, and becoming an all-around big deal on the internet. What so few people talk about is just how many incredible businesses are built through referrals, highly targeted search engine optimization, or networking. Yes, even in the year of our Lord 2021. Yes, even completely online. And that building a business that way isn't the slow growth way. It's actually much, much faster. Yellow House Media did well over six figures in revenue in its very first year with minimal expenses. Again, yes, some of that can be attributed to the fact that I already have an existing audience. But I'm not kidding you when I say our first clients paying us fifteen dollars to $20,000 per year reached out after a friend told them what we were doing or heard me mention it in passing on this show. Yes, I have the ear of a solid number of people, but there was never a concerted effort to get clients. And this story, it's not a fluke. I also think of my friend Rita Berry, whose digital marketing agency was responsible for over $60 million in sales for her clients last year. She does no marketing for her own marketing agency. I think of Andrea Jones and her social media marketing agency. Sure, Andrea is on social media and produces quite a bit of content, but less for marketing purposes and more to test her own ideas. She brings in clients through networking and partnerships. I think of Kate Strathman, who has a thriving bookkeeping agency that allows her the time and space for the creative, subversive work she loves. Kate's business has largely grown through referrals and community engagement, you know, like engaging with the community she actually lives in? I think of Anna Wolf, who you heard from last month in episode 326. Anna runs a content marketing agency for financial pros and generates an incredible amount of revenue with no marketing that resembles what the online marketing experts are selling you. Does social media and loads of content make sense for some businesses? Yes, absolutely. What works wouldn't be around without it. But is it the only way to attract clients and generate revenue? Nope, not at all. With the exception of Andrea, these women have built multiple six and seven figure businesses without four figure audiences. Andrea's business is that size. She just also has a nice sized audience to go along with it. We'll be talking more about how finding clients without social media or not predominantly through social media works next month. In fact, you're going to hear why Andrea talks people out of working with her agency. But I digress. The bottom line is that we've built a thriving business with almost no attention to marketing, just dropping some mentions here and there, writing some blog posts to demonstrate our positioning and credibility, and offering a service people want to tell their friends about. No matter how much I enjoy marketing and love creating content, that's a dream come true. Now, I feel like I've spent this whole episode bragging, and that's not at all my intent, of course. There are so many success stories that feel impossible to replicate that require all of the privilege and special circumstances of the founder to have happened in the first place. I hope this story is a model of possibility for you. Because after all, isn't that exactly what a fantasy business is? I have privilege, of course, and a decade of experience behind my belt, but this story can be reproduced. This is what success can look like, simple and straightforward, as opposed to shiny and Instagrammable. Now, last thing, if you have a fantasy business idea that you're dying to tell someone about, I'd love to know what it is. You can hit me up on Instagram at Tara underscore McMullen and tell me all about it bonus points if you tell me what that fantasy business can teach you about the business you run today. As always, today's episode was brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks makes it easy to bring your content, community, online courses, events, and conversations all together to build your brand. It's the perfect place for small business owners, creators, and community builders to build a digital home for the people they serve. With a Mighty Network, you're building your ideal digital network without all the baggage that comes with social media. To learn more about Mighty Networks, go to MightyNetworks.com. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Lou Blazer. Our production assistant is Emily Kilda. And this episode was edited by Marty Seafelt.